0: Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello everybody, Rick Thomas here, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. This is episode 468, and I want to talk about typical mistakes that people make to feel better about themselves. Now, of course, I'm talking about those people out there, not you and me. But if you pay attention, you will notice those people out there that they make some common mistakes, especially when they do something dumb or when they sin. Now, just perhaps you see yourself in this. Well, maybe this would be a wonderful opportunity to make some recalibrations in your mind and hopefully in your relationships. But if you want to take a look at the show notes for episode 468, you're welcome to do that. Go to LifeOverCoffee.com, again titled, Typical Mistakes People Make to Feel Better. Now, there are five universal reactions to all of our mistakes. Four of them are wrong, and one of those is correct. And it sounds like, percentage-wise, that the chances of us making a poor decision after we make a mistake is probably pretty high. That's why I trust that this episode will benefit you greatly so that you will know where the landmark, uh, and it won't be on the four that are wrong, but it will be on the one that is absolutely correct. So as you think about what you do wrong, what is your most common reaction what is your most common response after making a mistake? And so let's say that someone uh, that you sin against someone, and they come to you, they confront you about what you did. Now maybe you didn't sin at all. You just did that dumb thing. I have done, I have done so many dumb things in my life. It, there's no way that I could even count them if I wanted to, and obviously I don't want to. And so whether you do a dumb thing or a sinful thing and someone draws attention to it, let's say they do that humbly in a loving way, but they confront you about what you did wrong, how do you normally respond to them? As I list these four bad responses, and the one appropriate response. Which one of these common responses do you typically use? Now, why is this important? Well, understanding our tendencies is the first step in changing. If your most common reaction is one of these bad four that I'm going to share with you, then I do trust that the next few minutes will be absolutely life-changing for you, because the truth is we all make mistakes, maybe every day. Sometimes these miscues are sins, while other times, as I was saying, we just do things that are dumb, though we have not transgressed God's truth in any way. But by the end of our lives, we will have made a zillion of them big and small. And if you look in the rearview mirror, you're probably like me, you're probably more aware of the significant mistakes or the significant sins uh, in your life. But something that I would love for you to consider, that It is the little ones that can fly under the radar of our hearts and that can cause so much dysfunction in our lives. It's the little things that we can be blind to not have enough self-awareness to realize that, you know, this is a dumb habit that I have created or this is a sinful response that I have. And because it's not a significant sin, it can actually be imperceptible creating a blindness to our own blindness. And again, after a while, it will mature into an imperceptible habit. And then you can have one of those bad friends that just say, well, you know, that's just Rick being Rick. And so now there's two problems. You have a friend that's not willing to lovingly confront you about this bad habit that you have, but you're also blind to it yourself. And so a Christian's best course of action, when we think about the things that we do wrong, is to have these discussions among competent friends. We have a solution Because God's favor is on our lives. He birthed us into his family. We are born again. Now, if you happen to stumble upon this podcast or the video and you say, well, I'm not born again, I don't even know what that means. I've heard the language in the culture, but I don't know what it's like to be a Christian. I don't know what it's like to be guilt-free. I don't know what it's like to have power, to be empowered by God to overcome my sins. Now, if you're in that camp, uh, then I would love for you to write and say, hey, how do you become a Christian? I want God's favor on me so that I can continue to change. Not just be born again, but as you know. When you're born again, you're brought into the family of God, but that doesn't perfect you. Then there is a process of ongoing change. That's why we like to say that the Christian life is repentance, repenting in a salvific way. We become born again. And then after that one-time event never to be repeated again, there is ongoing repenting as we do it daily And that's why we need to have these discussions, because we have a solution. God's favor is on our lives, not only to bring us into his family through regeneration or the new birth, but also to have incremental daily transformation as we do what John told us in 1 John 1, 9, where he appeals to us to confess our sins and receive the cleansing uh, that God provides for us. And then you read in Galatians 6, 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, where we come alongside each other to restore each other in a spirit of gentleness. The metaphor therefore restoring each other is is like mending a net, but like putting a fishing net that has been broken putting it back together. And all of us are broken lives. And so Paul is saying that uh, if you see someone that is caught, ensnared, captured by a transgression, then you come along and help restore them. We have that opportunity so we don't stay in these bad, awful ruts that we are reacting appropriately to them. And so we can confess our sins and receive forgiveness and cleansing. We can have other people come alongside us. To help us to be restored uh, so that we can be whole. And so we have these wonderful opportunities that are just before us to where we can uh, be transformed. But the first step is to have enough self awareness about ourselves. So that we are understanding our reactions to our mistakes or to our sins so that we don't create these imperceptible habits that lead us down a difficult path. And so one of the things that we want to do as Christians is we want to have a clear conscience the word conscience is conscience it means co knowledge uh, perhaps you have heard it this way as an inner voice our inner voice is a barometer uh, th- that uh, speaks to us about our morality and the purest conscience that you could possibly have is when your con- when your inner voice is harmonious with god's word When the Bible and your conscience are on the exact same page, pitch perfect, then that is as clear and pure as you can possibly be, and that's what we want. We want our inner voice to be so in line with God's Word so that when we do miss the mark, which is the metaphor for sinning, that our conscience alarms us that we did something wrong and we hear that, And then we respond to it the appropriate way so we don't get into these bad habits reacting wrongly to our sins. Well, the implication is is that the conscience is moldable. We can shape our conscience. You read this in 1 Timothy 4, 2, where it talks about the conscience being seared uh, with a hot iron. And again, there's a picture there of putting a branding iron on an on animal's rump, and it sears that rump uh, to where uh, it's, it's insensitive. It's, it's been desensitized to uh, any kind of pain or touching or whatever. And so we can sear our consciences by not responding correctly uh, to our sins. And sometimes you see people that, that do things, and you may say, well, how in the world could, could they do that? Well, they can do that because their conscience is so hardened that they have been desensitized to the very thing that they're doing that is imperceptible to them. And we can get to that place by having these incremental steps. steady, slow drip, wrong responses to what we do wrong. And so we layer our conscience, just a thin layer over our conscience that creates a very light desensitization. If I can get all those uh, syllables in there, a very light inability to, to hear the ringing or the pinging of our conscience. And then we continue to respond poorly. And another layer goes down and another and another until finally you have a hard conscience. Now, I realize there are some people on the other end of that spectrum where their conscience is not hard, but their conscience is oversensitive. And these are people who believe that things are sin that aren't sin. Uh, you see this in First Corinthians chapter 8, where the Jewish uh, the Jewish people who became converts, now they're new believers, and they believe that it was a sin to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. And Paul was saying, no, it's not sinful uh, to eat meat that's sacrificed to idols. And so these people on this side of the spectrum have a, a sensitive conscience, you might say. And so they have a, an over-awareness of things that are wrong, and many of those things that they believe are wrong are not. And so that's the sensitive conscience. You don't don't want to be there. Uh, but my concern for this episode is that we can easily slide to the other end of the spectrum where we have a desensitized conscience because we are not reacting to the things that we do wrong. We're not reacting the right way, and we end up hardening our conscience till you get to the point to where you're just flying blind. And so the Bible, we learn in the Bible that there are morality adjusters. There are ways to... to adjust our consciences for example but there's there's ways to adjust our morality so that we're we aren't too far to the right or left and so every time that we do something wrong or every decision that we have about whatever is before us there is a a way of balancing the decision making process so that you respond correctly each time now i want to share with you those morality adjusters Uh, so that you can have them in your mind and you want to implement these means of grace in your life so that when you do wrong, if you have a sensitive conscience, you can uh, go through this four-step process to see, well, maybe that's not a sin at all. And then if you're on the other end of the spectrum where you're maybe hardening your conscience before you get too hard to where you can't see with any kind of clarity, uh, you can go through this four-step process and say, well, maybe this is a sin. And in either way, regardless of where you are on either end of the spectrum, you can come to that perfect sweet spot to where your conscience and God's word are singing the same tune. You know what sin is. You're responding appropriately appropriately to it, uh, because you're using these four means of grace to do so. And so before I get into the typical mistakes that people make, I want to share with you these four morality adjusters. Now, this is also the teaching that I provide uh, in a a seminar called How to Make a Biblical Decision. There are four means of grace that are necessary in order to make a proper biblical decision, and those four things all start with the letter C. They are the canon, they are the comforter, they are the conscience and the community, and let me go through those one at a time because it's essential that we understand these four means of grace, the canon, the comforter, the conscience, and the community. And if we are implementing those when we come up to this intersection where trouble is in our lives, we sinned or we didn't sin, and we're trying to work through it, then these four means of grace will help you to navigate through that intersection. The first one is the canon. The canon just means a a, a rule like holding up a straight ruler and and it tells you if if you're in line or not and so and the canon is God's Word that's what it is it's God's Word God's Word a synonym for the Bible scriptures is canon c-a-n-o-n in in John 17 17 Jesus said sanctify them with your truth Uh, your word is truth and so the canon or the Bible gives us the ability to not just be born again, but to mature in sanctification, on growing, ongoing, growing purity. And the Bible does that for us. Now here's one of the cool things about these four means of grace, is that if we only had the Bible, uh, we would have a problem in the sense that we distort the Bible. We don't interpret it correctly. We don't understand it properly, and we know that because there are so many heresies that are out there. That's why you need a balancing act going on when you're making decisions between right and wrong. You want to bring in other means of grace because even though the Bible is plenary, even though it is sufficient, even though it is authoritative... Uh, we can mishandle the Word of God. And so if we only had the Word of God to determine what right and wrong was, uh, we could get ourselves in all sorts of trouble, and we do it anyway. (laughs) Even though we have these four means of grace, we still get ourselves in all sorts of trouble. So you see in Acts 8.30, you have the uh, Ethiopian eunuch who's reading uh, reading Isaiah 53. And he doesn't understand what he's reading so he needs the community to come along and to help him to clarify uh, what he is reading he's got the bible right in front of him and isn't that true Perhaps you remember that in your early Christian experience where you had the Bible, but it was hard to understand in the way that you hoped you could. And so you had someone to come along and to mentor and guide you. And so in Acts 8.30, we have Philip getting up in the chariot and helping the eunuch to understand Isaiah 53. And so you see the balancing there between the canon, God's word, and the community, in this case, Philip. And so canon is one of those means of grace. Uh, The community is also one of those balancing acts, part of those means of grace to help us to determine between right and wrong. And so we do need people in our lives to come alongside us Not only to help us, but so we can help them. Part of our own maturation process is doing the work of disciple making. You can do a lot of things by yourself, but sanctification is not one of them. There is no way to fulfill what God asks us to do of loving God and loving others in a silo outside of the community of faith. And so we need each other. Many of you are so familiar with all of the one another passages in the New Testament, spurring one another on, uh, coming alongside each other, as I talked about in Galatians 6, restoring one another. All of those are essential, and it helps to balance so that we don't over- or under-interpret God's Word. And so we have the canon, we have the community to help us discern right and wrong. We also have the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who illuminates our minds. As Jesus was telling us in John 16, 13, The Holy Spirit illuminates us. The natural person doesn't have the light of the Spirit showing them the way. The things that we need to understand in life, the primary things are spiritually discerned. And as Paul said in Corinthians 2.14, that it is the Holy Spirit. Dead people are futile in their understanding, but the Holy Spirit comes in us and, and takes up his tabernacle or abode in us at regeneration, and now we are made spiritual beings. We come alive, is what Paul said in Ephesians 2. And so the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, brings illumination. And so we are asking the Spirit of God to help us to see what we cannot see, to give us a sensitiveness to uh, doing right or wrong. And so that helps in that balancing effect. So we have the canon, we have the Community. We have the comforter. And then finally, I talked about earlier, is the conscience. We have our own inner voice. Sometimes people will say, well, you just need to let your conscience be your guide. Can you imagine how horrific that would be uh, if a person has a super sensitive conscience that has created laws and regulations and lists and other forms, aspects of legalism that the Bible does not teach, like eating meat that has been sacrificed to idols, and they say that that's wrong, they're putting themselves in a bondage, but they're letting their conscience be the guide. And so you see the same effect. Someone misinterpreting God's word, as I was talking about earlier, that leads to heresy. And then you have another person with a supersensitive conscience where they create laws and regulations that the Bible doesn't even stipulate. We see that in our culture today. I came from or out of the fundamentalist movement, the independent Baptist fundamentalist movement, and they have a myriad of of laws that they implement. They would not call them laws, but you you dare not walk outside of them because you're overcome with the fear of man, with what other people think about you, and the judgments that come your way. And whether you want to call them laws or not, you create these rules that you abide by that really are not supported by Scripture, and you end up with a weak conscience. And when you say, let your conscience be your guide, if that conscience is not informed by God's Word, Well, then we can go to all kinds of bad places, creating things ex nihilo out of nothing because the Bible doesn't teach those things. Well, then you can slide to the other side of the spectrum where you have a hardened conscience because you have repeatedly made these four mistakes that I'm going to mention here in just a minute, and where you've been layering your conscience until now, it's almost imperceptible to determine between right and wrong. And so one of the ways ways to keep our morality adjusted in the perfect spot is by implementing these four means of grace in our lives. The canon, God's Word, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the community, the body of Christ, and our inner voice. Our conscience And with those things working together, we have our best shot of making the right decisions and staying out of those bad spots when we do wrong. This is episode 468. I've titled it Typical Mistakes People Make to Feel Better About Themselves. Now I want to share those four things with you. There's five all together. One of them's right, four of them's wrong. So I want to share the four typical mistakes that people make to feel better. And so let's say that you have sin and somebody confronts you about it. Now, this is a beautiful thing. This is the community of faith coming alongside you to let you know that you have done something wrong and God's word teaches it. So now the word of God is showing you that that is wrong. You have a friend who's come along and pointed that out and it's balancing here. And let's say that uh, you sense the Spirit of God illuminating your mind and pointing that thing out and you feel conviction from God and your conscience is right there too saying, pull up, pull up, pull up. Don't do that again. You need to respond appropriately. And if all four of those things are working together, you're going to do the right thing, which is repentance. That is the one right answer. However, Too often, and I've done this myself, and I I know that many of you have as well, we will choose one of these four reactions when we sin, and the first one is to justify. Someone confronts us about something, and we justify our actions. To justify is a forensic term. It is a courtroom term. It it means to—literally, it it means to declare yourself not guilty— Now, the irony here is is that justification is a, a, a doctrinal golden nugget that we possess as Christians. God justifies us because of the death of Jesus Christ. Christ takes our sin, and so you're in the courtroom. You are declared guilty before God. Christ steps up and says, I take all of his sin And the judge says, yes, uh, that is acceptable. Your sacrifice, Jesus Christ, is acceptable. Therefore, I declare you not guilty. You are now justified. That is the accurate use of the word justification. Unfortunately, what happens when we sin too many times is that we declare ourselves not guilty. We justify ourselves. We say that we didn't do anything wrong. And when you get into a habit of justifying uh, what you did when you should not justify because it's not justifiable, when you should repent, the first time you do that, it'll lay down a layer over your conscience and your inner voice will get quieter. And if you continue to justify your actions by declaring yourself not guilty, not owning what you did, even though the Bible says so, your friend says so, your conscience might say so in your heart of hearts, the Spirit of God is bringing conviction into your life, but you choose for whatever reason not to own it, not to repent, and you say, I'm not guilty. I didn't do any wrong. Well, once you start going down that path, you're sliding over to this side of the spectrum and your heart, your conscience will just get a, a itty bitty layer of hardness. The beginning of the searing process will take effect. And so typical mistakes that people make to feel better. One is justification. Two is rationalization. Now you will see interplay in these Uh, wrong responses. Uh, They're somewhat synonymous, but they're a little bit different. One is just a bold declaration that I didn't do anything wrong. And then rationalization is downplaying your actions. There's almost a tacit admission that I did something wrong, but you would say something, I mean, it could sound like this, like everybody is doing it. This is what they were doing, and this is when your dad says, "Well, if if they all jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff as well?" You know, that's that's what the dad will say at that point. If if they're all going over the cliff, you're just gonna go with them. A rhetorical, cynical response, but we all get the point. But the person is rationalizing. Uh, their actions, because what they're doing is they want to live in both worlds, and so they're dabbling with what they want to do, and they're making it okay in their minds. Well, everybody is doing it, and so it's okay for me to do it too, because they want to do it, but there's still a part of them. Their conscience is saying, no, you shouldn't do that, and so they rationalize it. Uh, Maybe you do this with overeating, for example. Uh, You you know that you shouldn't be eating as much as you're eating, uh, but you're feeling a little sad today, and so you rationalize it. It's okay, and it's just one time, even though I did it yesterday and the day before also, but we can get into these little rationalizations, and then after a while, we create a habituation. By the way, the habituation is tied to a hardened conscience, because once your conscience is no longer alerting you to what you're doing wrong, the layer interference, is in, and also it coincides with the habituation. And so typical mistakes that people make to feel better about themselves. Justification, they just declare themselves, I am not guilty. Rationalization, they're downplaying it because they want it, and so they make up these kinds of excuses. Number three is blaming just putting it on someone else. That woman you gave me, well, we know it. it is her fault. I am not at fault. But it's not just declaring yourself not guilty uh, in in, ice, in a vacuum. It's declaring yourself not gu- and, and putting it on the other person. Now, this is similar to rationalization in this way where you're dabbling in it, but you know it's not quite right, but you kind of rationalize it. Well, this is almost an admission that it's wrong, but you're putting the wrongness on someone else. You're blaming them. This is where you would get into the term of of gaslighting, which has become a popular cultural word uh, over the past several years, basically putting it on someone else. The better term is just blaming them for doing it. And if you can continue to do that, again, you're laying your conscience by not owning what you did wrong. So there's justification, there's rationalization, there is blaming. And then number four, there is alleviation. Alleviation is, again, knowing that you did something wrong, but rather than choosing the one right response, which is repentance, rather than choosing one right response, what you do is compensate, you you know, we call it comfort food. I'm having a bad day, and and so I'm just going to numb myself. I'm going to binge watch Netflix. Uh, You create some. I'm going to pick up the habit of smoking or drinking or pornography or eating or shopping. I mean, whatever. It's it's alleviation. Sometimes it's actually medication. But we are alleviating the problem, and so that becomes the crutch to get us to go through uh, this difficult time that we're in. And so whether we are justifying our actions, rationalizing our actions, blaming someone else for them, or self-numbing ourselves, medicating ourselves through all of these ways, all these bad habits that we can implement in our lives... The one thing that happens in a situation like that is that we're not removing it from us. I have this wonderful uh, life over coffee uh, tumbler here. It says "conversations for transformation." Let's just suspend your imagination for a moment and let's say that this is sin. Let's say this is sin. Obviously, it's not. Uh, this is pure, this is divine. This is a life over coffee tumbler. But let's say it's sin. And whenever you justify or rationalize or blame or alleviate, for those of you that aren't watching the video, I'm actually holding the tumbler behind my back now. You can't see it, but it is still there. Is still there. You did not rid yourself of it. And that's what justification, rationalization, blaming, and alleviation do. It's like cancer that is operative in your physical body, and by doing any one of these four things, then that sin is operative in your spiritual person, and it will take revenge on you. Uh, It will begin to harden your conscience. It will create all kinds of havoc in your soul. Uh, You will run when nobody is chasing, and you'll create all of these mechanisms to try to, to remove this soul noise that you have when all you have to do is the one right response, and the one right response is to actually repent of it. This is episode 468. It is titled Typical Mistakes that People Make to Feel Better. I talked about the four means of grace to help us to stay on the right path—the canon, the comforter, the community, and the conscience. I've talked about the four mistakes that we make—justification, rationalization, alleviation, and blaming. The one right response is repentance, and we know that the Christian life is repentance to be born again, and ongoing repenting. The best solution is to rid that thing from us, not put it behind us, not pretend it doesn't exist, because if we do, after a while, we'll be so far from God's Word that we will be blind to our own blindness, which is the worst kind of blindness. Episode 468, you can get all this information uh, in these show notes. Now, what I would encourage you to do if you want to do a deeper dive into repentance uh, you can do, uh, you can type the word conscience, for example, uh, at lifeovercoffee.com in the search feature, and you'll get a lot of content because I've written a ton on the conscience. You can also type in repent, and you'll get a, a, a whole bunch of information there that will walk you through uh, the transformation process of how to repent. But I want to wrap up by asking um, a couple of questions, and then we'll be done. Number one How self aware are you about your mistakes? On this spectrum, are you in the middle spot, the sweet spot where you're in harmony with God's Word? Now, it could be some of you have an oversensitive conscience, creating things that you believe God is frowning upon, which He does not. That's another issue which I'm not dealing with in this episode. Or or you could be over here on this side of the spectrum where where you're not self-aware of your mistakes because there's been this layer and effect of your conscience. Number two, do you see your mistakes as opportunities to grow or to be inward and morbid? We should see our mistakes as an opportunity. I mean, how kind of God to alert us that, that there's something wrong with us so that we can continue to mature. That's like going to the doctor. You don't want to hear the news. Nobody does. The bad news. But to have someone to tell you the bad news before it gets far worse than it is at this point, what's the same in the spiritual realm? Seeing our mistakes, they should be opportunities to grow, not to navel gaze and to be inward or morbid. Number three, do you see how it is God's kindness to reveal what is wrong with you to you? Number four, will you talk to God and would you talk to a friend about what you have just heard here? Number five, will you find a community for ongoing care so you can implement these four means of grace? God's word, the comforter, Holy Spirit, the community of faith, and your conscience, and and stay right in that middle space of harmony. Number six, will you practice repentance daily? As I said, the Christian life is repentance and ongoing repenting. This is episode 468, Typical Mistakes That People Make to Feel Better. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.